Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Hope everybody had a a very nice weekend and enjoyed the beautiful weather that we've been having. Wanted to let you know, first of all, that today's show is sponsored by Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. All right, Islanders. Wrapping things up last week, as we reported with Ryan Pulak, signing him to a deal before arbitration, but now Matt Barzal becomes the big question. Can the Islanders reach an agreement with him and stay under the cap? And then the more complicated thing is to figure out whether or not they can also uh, add some offense to help this team with its biggest shortcoming right now. We'll talk about that. We will talk about a very big anniversary that yesterday was. We'll discuss that for the Islanders, a very meaningful anniversary for them. And we will look at how the Islanders got into this salary cap mess in the first place, discussing the reasons why that the Islanders are so short for uh, usable money right now in their attempt to improve this team. We also have our Islanders birthday of the day, another former captain of the Islanders celebrating. So lots to talk about. First off, uh, going to start with a, with a couple of things, uh, rest in peace and, and our condolences go out to the friends and family of hockey legendary broadcaster, Howie Meeker. He was really, a, an institution uh, especially up in Canada, and we certainly wish, uh, again, uh, our condolences to his family and friends and, and anyone who is a big hockey fan going back, you know, to Meeker's career understands what a big part of hockey broadcasting he was for many, many years. And uh, so we we remember that and, and certainly send our best wishes to him. Also, um, the Islanders on their official website over the weekend, uh, you know, they had a vote and they determined the best fan moment of last season. And I think it was a predictable result that the fans meeting the Islanders at the airport when they came back out of the bubble after making that magic playoff run that ended up being the moment that the uh, Islanders fans voted as the the highlight of the season. 
And look, when you talk about the fact that there were no fans in the playoffs and uh, that certainly, you know, a lot of things were strange during the course of this season, I think that really was a good choice. And, And look, Islanders making the conference final for the first time in 27 years. It was a magical playoff run and hopefully the start of more things to come for the New York Islanders. Uh, Meanwhile, if there is something Islanders-related on your mind, please feel free to send us an email. Uh, You can leave your name and where you're from, and we're happy to mention you on the air, like you could say uh, Bob from Hopog. Uh, And look, comment a question, a topic you'd like us to discuss. Always happy to hear from our listeners. You could follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter, at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and we'll keep you up to date on the latest Islanders news and notes. Well, yesterday, November 8th, was a big anniversary for the New York Islanders. Yes, believe it or not, uh, 49 years ago yesterday, the NHL awarded an expansion franchise to Roy Bowe that became the New York Islanders. And it's an interesting little history behind how that happened. The Nassau Coliseum was a new building back then. And the WHA was set to begin their existence, the World Hockey Association, a rival league to the NHL. They were going to start play in the fall of 1972. They wanted to put a team in the Nassau Coliseum, figuring that they didn't want to compete directly with the Rangers at Madison Square Garden, but they wanted to have a team in the New York market. Well, the people that ran the Coliseum basically did not want the WHA there, said that they didn't consider them quote-unquote major league, and so the county went out, spoke to Clarence Campbell, then NHL president, there was no commissioner in those days, And in order to sort of block the WHA, the NHL awarded Roy Bowe, who was the first owner of the Islanders, uh, that new franchise. Now, the uh, the WHA ended up being stuck at Madison Square Garden. Their initial team was called the New York Raiders. They lasted one season, 1972-73, at the Garden, and they really got stuck. I mean realistically what happened with the Raiders was that the Rangers and the Knicks and the Circus and concerts and just about everything else had a priority for the Garden over the New York Raiders, and they ended up playing some home games at some ridiculous times, like a Tuesday afternoon at, you know, one o'clock. They had some odd times to start home games, never really drew a lot of fans, and they lasted one season as the New York Raiders, got new ownership, became the New York Golden Blades, started the 73-74 season there, and then moved to uh, to Cherry Hill, New Jersey, to become the, the uh, gold, they became the Knights, the, the uh, Jersey Knights. They lasted most of a season, and then headed out to San Diego and became the San Diego Mariners. Harry Howell, uh, the former New York Rangers uh, defenseman, Hall of Famer, was one of the better players on that 
franchise. Bobby Sheehan was another. But at the end of the day, if it wasn't for the WHA and the New York Raiders slash Golden Blades slash Knights, uh, they would not have had a New York Islanders. That franchise lasted a year and maybe two months at Madison Square Garden. The Islanders still going strong today, um, nearly 50 years later. So a uh, happy anniversary or birthday to the New York Islanders franchise yesterday. The Islanders turning 49 years old since the franchise was awarded to Roy Bow and Nassau County. We have got a lot more to talk about. We've got our Islanders birthday of the day, and we're going to sort out the whole Islanders salary cap situation. How did it get to this point? Why are the Islanders struggling? And a lot of teams are struggling, but why in particular are the Islanders in so much cap hell right now, for lack of a nicer way to put it? We'll have that and a whole lot more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Folks, if you're like me, you've tried a lot of different protein bars, but the taste just isn't right. And the consistency, they're hard to chew. They're bitter. They, it just doesn't go go well. It's hard to eat them. But that's not true when you're talking about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It comes in amazing, 18 amazing flavors, six of them brand new, all 18 flavors covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. Some of my favorite flavors, salted caramel, toffee almond, peanut butter brownie, caramel brownie, cherry barcia, apple almond crisp, and my favorite all of all time, cookies and cream. The bars are all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. Let's talk about the coconut almond flavor. 18 grams of protein in each bar, just 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so we are back here now on the Locked On Islanders podcast. And look, uh, before we get into the whole cap situation, let's do the Islanders birthday of the day. Happy 50th birthday today to former Islanders captain Bill Guerin, born on November 9th, 1970 in Wilbraham, Massachusetts, originally the first round pick, fifth overall of the New Jersey Devils in the 1989 draft, spent two seasons at Boston College, started with the Devils, moved on to the Edmonton Oilers, the Bruins, the Dallas Stars, the Blues, the Sharks briefly, and then the New York Islanders ended his career with the Pittsburgh Penguins, played in 1,263 games during his NHL career, 429 goals, 856 points, add another 140 playoff games, 39 goals, 74 points in the postseason for Bill Guerin. And Guerin was actually one of the, uh, involved in one of the stranger occurrences uh, that ended his tenure as an Islander. Uh, he was out there for warm-ups. He was still the captain of the team and was pulled off the ice because a trade was going to take place, and then that trade did not go through. So Guerin uh, ended up sitting out a couple of games until the trigger was actually pulled. But uh, look, he was an Islander captain during a difficult time in 2007, 2008, 2008, 2009, but he always handled 
difficult situations with class and dignity, and he played his heart out for the New York Islanders, even though they were struggling at the time. We're going to go back and look at his best offensive game as an Islander, October 18th, 2007, at the Verizon Center in Washington, D.C., Islanders taking on the Capitals, Rick DiPietro in goal for the Islanders, Olaf Kolzig in between the pipes for the Capitals, Islanders getting on the board first, Sean Bergenheim, his first of the year from Miro Chatan and Joseph Vasicek at 15-17 after one period, Islanders had a 1-0 lead in the second period. The Islanders get a power play when goaltender Ole Kolzig is called for roughing at 636, and Bill Guerin cashes in. His first goal of the season, Chris Campoli and Brian Berard with the helpers at 738. After 40 minutes, it's Islanders 2 and the Capitals nothing. But Washington comes back early in the third. Alex Ovechkin gets them on the board, his fourth from Joe uh, Motzko at 141, and then just uh, about four and a half minutes later, Tomas Fleischmann, his first from Nicholas Backstrom and Brian Pothier, and that one at 614, 2-2 hockey game early in the third, but the Islanders' power play comes through with a couple of big goals. First, Chris Clark called for tripping, Brian Berard cashes in. His second goal of the season Chris Campoli and Miro Chatan with the helpers at 9.39, 3-2, Islanders. Then, with Milan Yersina off for holding, Bill Guerin comes through with his second of the game, second of the season. Chris Campoli and Brian Berard, the assists at 14.08, 4-2, Islanders. And with a minute and a half left in the game, Guerin completes his hat trick, his third from Mike Comrie and Chris Campoli, this one an even-strength goal. And the Islanders skate away with a 5-2 victory. Rick DiPietro with 27 saves to earn the victory. Bill Guerin, the hat trick on four shots on goal. But Brian Berard led the Islanders with seven shots from the point. He had a goal and two assists. Chris Campoli, four assists. Miro Chatan with two. Islanders skate away with a 5-2 victory over the Washington Capitals back on April 18th, 2007. The only hat trick that Bill Guerin had as an Islander. We wish Guerin a very happy and healthy 50th birthday. He is our Islanders' birthday of the day. When we come back, we're going to talk about the salary cap, how the Islanders got into this mess, Maybe some things they could do to get out of it. All that and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Okay, let's take a look at the cap situation right now. I'm looking at Cap Friendly, and the estimation, according to CapFriendly.com, the Islanders right now have roughly $77.5 million uh, in salary committed to their roster. And that leaves them with a hair under $4 million of cap space to uh, basically fill in the rest of their roster. Now, of course, that does not include the contracts with Andy Green and Matt Martin who and Corey Schneider, although he'll probably be down in the AHL. But those contracts have not been signed yet. And, of course, it does not include 
Matthew Barzal, who is a restricted free agent, does not have arbitration rights yet, but is still out there waiting to be signed, and the Islanders will need to find a way to do that. He's going to make a minimum, I would think, of $7 million a year, and the Islanders have to find a way. Now, you look at the situation right now, and having less than $4 million in cap space is not good. Now, part of the reason that the Islanders and a lot of other NHL teams are struggling with the cap is because that with COVID hitting and no fans being in the stands and the regular season being shortened, you have less revenue coming in. The NHL, roughly half of its revenue is from ticket sales from, you know, the last 12 to 14 games of the season were postponed, never made up. The playoffs were played in a bubble, no fans in the stands, and so there's a revenue shortage. Now, the NHL, by the way, also announcing January 1st remains their target date to start the new season, and that uh, reiterated over the weekend uh, by Deputy Commissioner Daly. So, you know, they're going to start the season late, almost certain that by January 1st, COVID will not be under control so that we have all 31 NHL teams able to have fans in the stands. And if some teams can, it's doubtful it's at full capacity for the foreseeable future. So, you know, that that problem isn't going away. But beyond that, even if the cap went up a couple of million dollars as it was expected to do before COVID hit, there is a reason that the Islanders are struggling with the cap. And some of it is Garth Snow's fault. Some of it can be, you know, said that Lula Morello is responsible. But here is the bottom line. The Islanders right now overpay their bottom pair defensemen and their bottom six forwards. And that gets them into all kinds of trouble. Right now, the Islanders have exactly two players listed on capfriendly.com who are making less than $2 million among their forwards. That's Ross Johnston and Michael Dalcole. And among defensemen, Adam Pellick, Scotty Mayfield, and Noah Dobson are under $2 million. But Johnny Boychuk, who was a third-pair defenseman this past year, cap hit $6 million. Nick Letty, who is either, you know, your fourth or fifth defenseman, uh, $5.5 million. That is a high cap hit right there. Thomas Hickey, $2.5 million. He was buried in the minors. Then you look again at the bottom six forwards. Leo Komarov, $3 million a season. Casey Zizekas, $3.35 million a season. Cal Clutterbuck, $3.5 million a season. Even the new contract signed by Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and I'm a big fan of Pajot's, $5 million a year in a cap hit. Not a bad number, but high, a high salary for your third-line center. And maybe the worst contract of all, $5.5 million 
for Andrew Ladd, who has a no-trade deal, 15 teams he cannot be traded to, and got buried in the minors for all but a handful of games this past year, in part because he's nowhere near as productive as $5.5 million. Anders Lee, your captain, $7 million a year cap hit. Brock Nelson, 6. Jordan Eberle, 5.5. That is your forwards. And Johnny Boy, Chuck, 6 million. Nick Letty, 5.5. As we said, these players are, quite simply, overpaid when you compare them to some other teams. You look at the defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. They, right now, have five forwards who are making less than $2 million a year. Five. That is more than double what the Islanders have. And they have two defensemen, for sure, who are making less than that. And, again, there are other cap concerns, obviously, that the Lightning have. But they are not overpaying their bottom six forwards and their bottom two or three defensemen the way the Islanders are. And you're in a situation now where, look, I am a big fan of Brock Nelson. I am a big fan of Anders Lee. I like Jordan Eberle. But I think all three of them are overpaid when you compare their production to their salary. And Josh Bailey, $5 million a year. Uh, Again, Bailey, yeah, he's been a darn good player for you, but probably a little bit, five and a half, uh, you know, $5 million a year, a little bit overpaid uh, compared to the production that you get on a year-out, year-in, year-out basis. Now, there are some players who are probably underpaid right now. Anthony Bevilier, $2.1 million. Uh, that is helpful. Um, Michael Dal Cole, seven hundred thousand. But uh, Adam Pellick, one point six million. Scotty Mayfield, one point four five million. Those are good contracts for the Islanders right now. But at the end of the day, looking at it strictly from a value standpoint, there are too many bad contracts or contracts that the players are not living up to the value of it versus the contracts where the Islanders are getting a bargain because they're either on an entry-level deal or they signed a team-friendly deal and they're outperforming it. Now, look, already this mess has cost the Islanders Devon Taves, and they didn't want to trade him. He's one of their top four defensemen. He has played very well, and he will be missed. There's no question about that. The, the deal with Ryan Pulak, two years, $10 million, is a solid deal. Like I said last week when it was announced, good for the team, good for the player. But now the Islanders have to end up figuring out uh, what to do. And a lot of these players, your lads, your Kamarovs, your Clutterbucks, your Boychucks, your Letties, they have limited or, you know, no trade deals or no movement deals, and that's a problem. Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, it'll be tough for them to live up to their contract numbers. 
And, you know, to live up to a $7 million a year deal, Anders Lee has to score 30, 35 goals, you know, minimum 30 goals uh, in, in order to make that worthwhile. Now, he adds leadership. He's a darn good player. I am a big fan of his, but $7 million a year is a lot of money, and you need more productivity from a player you're paying that much money. And the Islanders right now just aren't getting good value for too many of these contracts. We will see how they manage to get around it. Unquestionably, if they can't trade Ladd, he's heading back to either the long-term injury list or down to Bridgeport. Probably the same can be said for Hickey. Um, and look, they may have to, for parts of the season, send Johnny Boychuk down. And that's a shame because he's still a quality NHL defenseman. I have... I mean, I like him as a as a person. I've had the privilege of interviewing him many times, and he's a good guy, and he's a good hockey player. But you're paying him like a top-pair defenseman at $6 million a year, and it's been a few years since he's been a top-pair defenseman. Now, at the age of 36, he's still got this year and 2021-2022 left on his contract at $6 million a year, and he's probably, you know, worth... A little more, maybe three and a half million a year, maybe four. It's tough, but it adds up. And the Islanders find themselves in a difficult situation as a result of the value of these contracts versus the production that the players give them in return. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back Wednesday morning with our next episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We're on our off-season schedule, so new episodes will drop now Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We drop them a little after 12.25 a.m., so uh, night owls can listen before bed, early risers. They'll be waiting for you in your inbox if you subscribe to the Islanders uh, Locked on Islanders podcast with your podcatcher of choice. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and of course, let's go Islanders.